As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to the Big Football Show, the Athletics Big Ten Football Podcast. This is Bill Landis. I cover Ohio State, joined by Audrey Snyder, our Penn State beat writer. And Audrey, I'm trying to decide which of the two fan bases uh, that we write stories for are driving themselves crazier right now. The one whose team just went to a historic low point at 0-5, or the one whose defense looked not that great in a top 10 game that it won? I feel like it's gotta be the latter because the former the 0-5 the Nittany Lions I think a lot of the fans are checked out right now (laughs) I mean it's it's bad I mean those who are still with us those who are still listening and watching and reading and subscribing um the diehards you know they're they're feeling it but a lot of the fan base is just kind of like well it's the same thing every week like what does it matter except there's no of course no draft pick to tank for here so Yes, if only if only James Franklin can guarantee himself Trevor Lawrence by finishing with the worst record in college football. <laughs> Man, he would absolutely take that. They, I, yeah, they, they I, would need it. I think they need it. Yeah, it, it, it's a mess. I mean, I don't even know, Bill. What do you do at quarterback for Penn State? I mean, going into the big house this weekend, not the game any of us thought it was going to be when the schedule was released. I guess you roll with Sean Clifford, um, but I, oof, good luck. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that game uh, a little bit later in this episode. Penn State and Michigan playing this week in, in what's an important Big Ten East game for all the wrong reasons. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about some of the other teams in the Big Ten East as well. But let's start with the top 10 matchup that happened on Saturday, Ohio State and Indiana. Ohio State wins 42-35. to And we talk a lot about Ohio State on this show because I cover Ohio State. And we talk a lot about Penn State on the show. I want to dedicate a few minutes here to the Indiana Hoosiers who played, I think, much better than either of us were expecting them to play on Saturday, gave Ohio State a game, had a chance to tie it, two two chances to tie it, really, at the end, and, and couldn't quite finish off what was a, a comeback from down 35-7. to seven. But I was very impressed with what Tom Allen's team did on Saturday. So I guess my question for you, Audrey, is did you come away from that game thinking or, or – thinking more like oh boy Ohio State's in trouble or like oh man that was really impressive from Indiana because I 
came away a little more thinking the the second part that Indiana was is, is better than I wanted to give them credit for coming in. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have good teams are going to play not so great games, right? Like Justin Fields, this is not what anyone would have expected from him, right? But you're going to have that. Um, to me, yeah, I I'm going to go with the glass half full here, which I guess is the Indiana looks impressive. Um, I mean, now, Bill, dedicating a whole show to the Hoosiers, you have been the Michael Penix hype train lead conductor, I feel like, yeah. since week one. He was really good. He was, yeah. better, he was better than I thought he'd be. Like, like I, I, said, I said on our Ohio State podcast, and I think I said it on this podcast, that I had a really hard time seeing Indiana keeping it close. So, like, I'll own that. I was way off. Um, so, I'm not trying to, like, pretend like I didn't think that going into it. But – Michael Penix really impressed me in that game because like Ohio State was pressuring him. They only sacked him twice, but they were in his face quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And he just kept delivering the ball like strikes down the field. They had four passing plays of 50 yards or more, and he was on point. I thought he was great in that game. And I think part of it, too, you, you know, you look at the Ohio State defense, and this was, I mean, we can go back to Penn State and Jahan Dotson with that secondary and the success that he had. And you could say, well, Penn State's playing from behind. They're going to throw the ball a lot. Similar situation here with Indiana. But that Ohio State secondary, Bill, what's the read on them? Because right now, that to me feels like an area of concern. Yeah, it's a little suspect. Um, I think the main issue is that their personnel is not nearly as good as it was last year. Last year, they had two first-round cornerbacks in Jeffrey Okuda and Damon Arnett. They had a safety in Jordan Fuller, who was drafted in the sixth round, I believe but has played quite a bit for the Los Angeles Rams this year. All three of those guys were great last year. You also had a true difference maker of the highest form in, in Chase Young playing defensive end last year. Yeah. They don't have that. They've lost, they lost other guys on the defensive line who, who fly under the radar a little bit. So there was a lot of personnel turnover, and I think people just sort of assume, Ohio State fans assume, and I think rightfully so, that they're going to have guys just kind of step up and fill the void. And then on the mm-hmm. outside, I think people think that too. And the void was pretty big. So – it's not to excuse it, but it's to explain it. They're just not quite as good personnel-wise as they were last year. And on top of that, they're doing some things schematically in terms of like when they play man, when they play zone, mm-hmm. how many safeties or defensive backs they have on the field. I like, the, like Indiana threw the ball like 50 times, and I think Ohio State played nickel on like four or five plays in the second half. Like They, they were playing wow. it straight up, and, and Indiana was just kind of bombing it on them. So it's a combination of personnel and scheme and coaching. They have a new defensive coordinator. It's not anything that I think is unfixable, um, and and people in Columbus want to compare it to the 2018 Ohio State defense, which is the worst in program history. Um, the numbers certainly are not are not uh, favorable when you stack these numbers up against 2018. They're a little worse this year, but I think the reasons why are very different. So I think I think this is somewhat fixable. But Ohio State, um, I didn't think they were going to have an elite defense coming into the year. I didn't think they really have a great defense coming into the year. I think now you can just kind of hope for pretty good. And I think maybe they can get to pretty good, but it's going to be tough. So the path to the playoff for them, Bill, is what? If the de- if this defense, because I think this is what we always look at, right? When other teams try to copy what worked. So if you say, okay, is this the blueprint on the Buckeyes? Is this the, this defense is the flaw, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how then can Ohio State make it? to the college football playoff? Is it simply going to be getting into shootouts with people or can they create enough takeaways for this defense to kind of stop some of the bleeding? What's the, 
Because I like to jump ahead 20 games here because, sure. you know, 2020 has taught us nothing. So um, I guess what's the what's the path or the plan for Ohio State to make it to the playoff now that these shortcomings for the defense seem to be pretty recognizable? Well, the, the issue with Ohio State is, is they do have shortcomings on defense, but I'm not sure it's going to matter between now and the playoff mm-hmm. because they play Illinois this week. They're a 30-point favorite. They play Michigan State next week. They'll be a 30-point favorite. They play Michigan in three weeks. They'll probably be something close to a 30-point favorite in that game. Um, and then most likely they're going to play Northwestern, which got a nice win over the weekend against Wisconsin in the Big yes, Ten Championship. But like Northwestern, I like Peyton Ramsey. I think he's solid and he's doing good stuff for Northwestern, but like that's not a team that's going to threaten Ohio State offensively either. So... The, the, the route is just win the rest of your games, and I think they're going to. It's just a matter of did, did what you see on Saturday against Indiana mean that once you get on the field with Clemson or Alabama mm-hmm. – That's where I'm Notre going, Dame, yeah. yeah like I, would it be great? <laughs> would it be great if, that, if, if what we saw on Saturday is like what they are, um, mm-hmm. then, then I don't think they're a team that can win a national championship. If, if the things that I was talking about are somewhat fixable, like, like I think they are – then I think they're okay because their offense is so good. That's a crazy thing. Yeah. Like Justin Fields played the worst game of his life. He threw three interceptions, um, and they still had 607 yards of offense, which is the most they've had in it's two insane. years. Yeah. So their offense is okay, um, and they're going to score a ton of <laughs> points. It's just a matter of like, can their defense, when it gets up against an elite offense, hold that elite offense to like under 50? Um, how and, do, how is a Justin Fields uh, in like a post game like that? I mean, afterwards, what's he like? Because I've I mean, I only remember ever talking to him as a recruit, and like that was forever ago. Is he composed? Is he pissed off? Is he? How did he come off as? Uh, he was pissed off for sure. Yeah. Um, I think I think he was a little frustrated with the with the game plan, although he would never say that straight up. Yeah. Um, but they had some stuff. Indiana blitzed on like eighty percent of the of his dropbacks, which is absurd. Um, and Ryan Day kept calling like long down the field passing plays which are tough positions to be in for any quarterback and offensive line. And I think, I think Justin did not love that, um, but he didn't say that expressly. That's me speaking for him. Um, but he was, he was mostly well, you angry. Can be a, you can be a spokesman. Bill, yeah. Yeah. Can, I'm the spokesman. Maybe for that'll Justin be, yeah. Fields. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he was angry with his own play. Like this, his first interception was a bad read on coverage. His second interception, he tried to throw the ball away and didn't throw it far enough and it got picked. And then his third one, I don't know what the hell he was doing. He was like getting dragged down to the <laughs> ground and just threw it up in the middle of the field and got picked off again. So very maybe he learned that. Maybe he learned that as the quarterback for Cam Newton's seven on seven team. Back, back maybe he was. He maybe. very much looked like a guy who, for three games, could do whatever he wanted to do. And then when he got up against a fairly competent defense that was going to blitz him the entire game, still thought he could do whatever he wanted to do, and he very clearly couldn't. And that like doesn't mean he's bad. It just means like I think he got a little. I don't know if cocky is the right word, but he was fe- reality he was, check. He was feeling himself a little bit, and I think I think he did get a little bit of reality check. And the idea of like Justin Fields, who's immensely talented, like getting humbled a little bit and sort of mm-hmm. refocusing for the rest of the year, like would be terrifying to me if I had to play Ohio State the rest of the year. So I'm kind of curious to see where he goes from there. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Right. And I was going to say, because I feel like this is, for Ohio State, this is one of those games where you say, okay, we got the hell out of there. We got the win. But I feel like coaches love those games because you can say, hey, look, we didn't do X, Y, and Z particularly well. Look at all these things we need to fix. Um, And I think that those are the things you'd rather lose, not lose, you'd rather win a game like this now than lose a game like that in the postseason. Like, I feel like you got your awful Justin Fields game out of your system. Because quite frankly, Bill, I don't see him playing like that twice. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, like, yeah. I was shocked me, that he played that way once. Yeah. Yeah. Like, get it out of the way now. Um, and then all those things that went wrong, fix them, see what happens then when you're uh, you're playing in the playoff. It's an, it's an odd result for Ohio State because if you're close to it, your, your red flags are up all over the place about how poorly the defense played. But I think in a weird way, the first college football playoff rankings come out on Tuesday night. And I believe that the committee is going to like Indiana. And so, like, that's going to be a quality win for Ohio State, even though it was closer than any of us thought. It's like Ohio State, it was an instructive win because they learned some stuff about themselves. And at the same time, they're going to get credit for it because the committee is going to view Indiana, and I think deservedly so, as a pretty solid team. You know, you mentioned the playoff. I got the email uh, Monday about the the conference call following, and I just laughed when it was in my inbox. I'm like, yeah, Penn State is no biz. I don't need to get on this, you know. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's that's only for the select few of us elite uh, college football writers Andre, yeah. who, co- who cover yeah. elite teams and get mm-hmm. to go get to go watch them play in the playoff. You um, know, m- must be difficult when your uh, your big concern for the week is nitpicking an undefeated team. Bill, must be a tough life in Columbus. Yes, we're trying to decide at the moment whether or not we should pick the thirty points when we're making our game picks for Ohio State against Illinois, or, or not not take the 30 points it's real it's a real tough life here um before before we move on to the team you cover and the game they played um over the over the weekend and some other stuff in the big 10 east i want to ask you quickly about indiana like where you think indiana Mm -hmm. goes from here because indiana uh left on its schedule has maryland this week and it sounds like that game is going to happen maryland was back on the practice field this week after missing its last two games um indiana plays maryland this week then wisconsin which lost but is still a good team and Purdue to end the year, and then whoever they end up playing in like that second place Big Ten West game, Jamboree, yeah, might be Wisconsin again, it might be Iowa. Um, do you think Indiana is built to win out? And if they do, like Indiana is looking at like a Fiesta Bowl bid, I think if that happens, like what what is what is at stake yeah. for Tom Allen's program right now the rest of the year? I feel like you you have no idea what you're going to get from Maryland after they had a lot of momentum. Then you probably lost that momentum in these past two weeks uh, by not playing. So I feel like Maryland, Indiana definitely should win that game. But then you look at Wisconsin, and that to me, Bill, would be the game where I don't think they're going to match up particularly well. Um, I think you know you look at the the powerful Big Ten West, um, you know the the fullback Almighties, the big hulking linemen, kind of all those stereotypes that are true when you think of Wisconsin and you think of I think the the Big Ten West. Um, that to me would be the game that maybe they have the most trouble with. Uh, but that being said, I mean this is a team that hung around with Ohio State, so I. 
I wouldn't be surprised. I, I'd be a little bit surprised, at least, if they won out, you know, because mm. I think right now, to me, Wisconsin will be the team that's going to give them the most trouble. But with Maryland and Purdue, you take care of business there, you're fine. Uh, then who the heck knows? I mean, if I guess here's the other part, right? If, if you get all your games in, um, you hope that happens, because I would really look forward to watching an, an Indiana-Wisconsin game. But then... I don't know how these teams are all going to match up for that ninth game because, quite frankly, I had, you know, Penn State fans saying to me this week, oh, my God, they're playing nine games. We thought they were only playing eight. You know, I think some fans, I think some fans have forgotten about that ninth game. And, you know, you're going to have teams that haven't played all their games because you look at Maryland, they're too short. And so, yeah, who the heck knows who they would play week nine. Um, But... Give them a shot because we talked last week about Indiana and Tom Allen and the emotions of that team and how they all kind of seem to follow his lead and that overly emotional, we love each other type deal, Um, which usually I would say that's probably just BS, but, you know, like coach speak, whatever. But I don't know. For Indiana, it seems very, very legit to me. So, God, it sounds crazy to say Indiana and potentially the Fiesta Bowl in the same sentence, Bill, but this just might be the year. I think it could be um, – Tom Allen tweeted out a video after the game of, of his post-game speech to his team. Again, very impassioned, I think, what you've come to expect of him. Um, but I, I'm just kind of curious, like, if it's going to take – like, his his message was basically, like, we're not done. Like, that was their Super Bowl, and it took a really big swing, mm-hmm. and they played really well. And you can definitely have an emotional letdown after something yes. like that. And his message was, like, we can't have that happen because there's still quite a bit at stake for them this year. Like, yeah, if Indiana got to the Fiesta Bowl or run up and pick your New Year's Six Bowl, that's a huge, huge step for that program. And the way the schedule sets up, like, it's definitely on the table. Like, I, you and I had the conversation, I guess it was two weeks ago, about who we think the second best team in the Big Ten is. And I think fairly – like, I know Northwestern's playing really well and just kind of like win against Wisconsin. I, st- I think it's Indiana. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right on that. I mean, I think that's kind of where where this this thing is headed. But I don't know, Bill, if, if, if we know anything about emotional letdowns, um, once the big goals are off the table or the biggest of big goals is off the table, um, then you have to see how these teams regroup. And that, to me, is – I don't know, maybe, does Ohio State have a hiccup along the way and keep the door open for Indiana? I doubt it. Uh, but I think if you're Tom Allen, that's the message that you're preaching is, hey, we were close and you know what, we're doing a heck of a job and we're going to keep playing and see, you know, if, if we can get in that New Year's Six bid. I'm still, for whatever reason, because I didn't unsubscribe for the, from the list apparently on the Indiana Athletics email chain. Um, so I keep getting these emails about fundraising with every win. So uh, you got to think about that too. I mean, when you're winning, um, or at least having a season that's much better than people thought it was going to be, this sets you up so much better long-term, both from a, people are more inclined to give when your team's winning perspective. Also from a, Hey, it helps you in recruiting. So a year like this, I think really can help Indiana in so many ways, if they don't have an emotional letdown. Speaking of emotional letdowns, let's set the table for oh for the biggest game of the season in the Big Ten East. Mm-hmm. Penn State and Michigan on Saturday, noon on ABC in Ann Arbor. Are you going to that game? No, I, I've opted out. <laughs> I've opted out of, of the road trip on that one. Yeah, I contemplated it last week, and then I was like, "No, Audrey, you're not driving six hours to cover that. Get your head, get your head together." 
Ann Arbor is a lovely town, but I, I think I'd be it with is. you there. Yeah, I don't think I'd yeah, be Yeah, if it was a normal, you know, non-pandemic time, I probably would say yes. Um, but just, I mean, getting on the Zooms afterward, in some regards, it's just easier to stay put. So Michigan beats Rutgers in a banger on Saturday mm-hmm. night, 48-42 in triple overtime. Cade McNamara comes off the bench at quarterback for Michigan, throws four touchdown passes, looks pretty good. Everyone thinks Michigan for the umpteenth time under Jim Harbaugh finally has its answer at quarterback. Um, I'm still skeptical because it's never really been the case. Um, but kudos to Cade for playing well against against what is a, a much improved Rutgers team. Like shout out to Greg Schiano. That team yeah. is way better than it's been like the last four years. Um, so Which, I mean, Bill, that's, that's not saying much. I think he deserves more credit than that. You know, you go from dumpster fire to now, like, you're looking good. You know what I mean? Like, I think, yeah, we can't give Greg Schiano enough credit right now. Rutgers is 1-4 and and mm-hmm. plays Purdue, Penn State, and Maryland to close the year. Rutgers could finish 4-4 four and four before that night, before that last weekend. That, that would be tremendous. Absolutely I mean, on I, the table. Yeah, that's all uh, all up for grabs right now. Uh, Michigan coming off of a win it desperately needed. Penn State coming off of its fifth straight loss is now 0-5 for the first time in program history. What is Saturday going to look like? Oh boy, is the Elmo gif with like the world on fire too much? Or do I go with like the dumpster fire gif? Or I I mean, this is not the game that we thought we were going to see way back when. But My stance has been, Bill, and I don't remember if I said it here on our Penn State show, Dear Old State, but I'm not picking Penn State to win a game until they actually win one uh, because this team is just so disjointed, discombobulated right now in all three phases. I mean, you don't know who your quarterback is, right? And at least Michigan, like you said, maybe has that figured out, at least for this week should have that figured out. Uh, But if you're Penn State, I mean, you just switched quarterbacks. You went to Will Levis. You really didn't even give him a chance to throw the ball down the field. You just kept running him ahead. And the offense, you put up seven points uh, in the first half. Again, the offense doesn't look better. He turns the ball over a couple times. Then you go to Sean Clifford, who you had benched in the third quarter. And he threw his touchdown passes on his first two pass attempts. He's two for two for 98 yards and two touchdowns. And then it's like, oh, my God, maybe you've captured 2019 Sean Clifford. And then he gets an interception on a batted ball. Then he throws a pick six. And you're like, okay, is your answer at quarterback even on the roster? And Bill, just as an example of how bad and how many bad breaks this Penn State team has had this year, fans couldn't even clamor for the third string quarterback to get a shot in that game because he was unavailable. So Hmm. there you have it. I mean, it's one thing after the next. Uh, one of your best players, tight end Pat Fryermuth, one of the top players in the Big Ten, is undergoing season-ending surgery this week. Uh, so he was injured in that Ohio State game. It looked like he's been kind of bugged by some kind of shoulder-type injury. They won't say, but that's kind of what it looked like to me. So now you're without um, one of your remaining best players. I think you start Clifford this week in Ann Arbor. Noon game, um, I don't – if you're Penn State, I mean, you have – Michigan, then you play at Rutgers, and then you close the season uh, in Beaver Stadium against Michigan State. Right now, Bill, I don't know if they go 3-0 and or 0-3. I mean, they're, yeah. they're just that inconsistent. Penn State is 124th in the country in turnover margin. Um, 
Minus nine, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. surprisingly, not the worst team in the Big Ten because Michigan State is 127th <laughs> or 125th, excuse me, out of 127 teams turnover margin. Um, it feels like to me if they got some of that cleaned up that obviously it's an obvious thing, but they, they'd have a better chance in some of these games. Like what are what's the anatomy of these turnovers? Is there a common thread between any of them? Is it something they can get fixed? And perhaps in turn, Penn State could get its season turned around a little bit. Well, part of it is, and I tweeted this during the game, it's turnovers are killing this team, both in the ones that they that they commit and the ones that they don't make. I mean, this is a defense right now that just has not been very opportunistic. You know, Saturday night, safety Jaquan Brisker, who they really thought he was a kid who came from Lackawanna College, his second year at Penn State. They really thought that Brisker was going to be that game changer for this secondary, and he has a ball, hit him right in the hands, you know, and he even said afterward, he's like, yeah, I was surprised I didn't catch that, you know, like it's the players are, are trying to put their finger on why everything keeps going wrong. Uh, you see the fumbles. Now, granted, you're down to your fourth string running back right now because third string running back Devin Ford, who's been your starter since week one, um, Ford got hurt in this game and exited. So you're down to a pair of two true freshman running backs. And Will Levis tries to pitch the ball to one of the freshmen and he fumbles it and pitches the ball behind him. So uh, really it's been all different kind of turnovers for this offense, which I guess is sadly like kind of the impressive thing. Like the the Clifford, the, the pick that the first one he had Saturday, it was a batted ball. Uh, the second one was a pick six. Now he had two uh, strip sacks that had turned into points in the previous two games. So, I mean, right now you've got two quarterbacks who essentially were benched in the same game vying for the starting spot. Um, I mean, you're you're down so many positions because of injuries and those kinds of things that, yes, it's difficult. But, uh, yeah, for as much as they turn the ball over, this is a team that was plus eight last year at the end of the season in the turnover margin. Now you're minus nine. I mean, that is why you're 0-5, and James Franklin even said it afterward. He said, you know, turnovers were the story of this game, and they've also been the story of the season. Now, some of us might debate that it's more than just the turnovers that are the problem with this team, but that, to me, is definitely one of the biggest issues. So Michigan's in a, a decent place, or at least a better place, coming off a win even, you know, I think most mm-hmm. people would think that Michigan should not play a game that looks like that with Rutgers, but they did and they won, and I think you credit them for coming back when they could have kind of packed it in and, and just sort of laid down, and they didn't. They were down 17-0 and they came back and won in overtime. Do you have any confidence, faith, whatever word you want to choose whatsoever, that Penn State is going to be able to, like, dig down and find something similar or is this like a lost cause at this point? And you th- do you think like James Franklin's lost the team by this point? You know, I think that I want to try to be nice in saying this because I think lost cause is a little too harsh because mm. you still play Michigan State. Um, and that cause is clearly in a rebuild. But to me, it just there's so many th- there's so many things that are off with this team right now that I don't know if he's lost the team. I don't know if it's a matter of they're just not very good. I don't know if it's a matter of you keep making the same mistakes over and over. Uh, The play calling at several times is really almost all year has lacked creativity. I mean, Bill, this is an offense that I don't even know what they want it to look like because every week it's just, this same thing of you're just you keep running the quarterback and it keeps not working and then you add in some head scratching coaching decisions and it's like okay 
you want to be aggressive on fourth and two, but yet you throw a low percentage ball along the sideline and you don't convert, and then that turns into a seven-point swing before the half because your defense can't stop anybody. And then yet when you're down by two possessions in the fourth quarter with under four minutes left, you have a fourth and 17, and you punt the ball because Mm. you think you're somehow going to get the ball back. And strangely, they did get the ball back in 26 seconds that time. Um, But then Clifford threw a pick six, and it didn't matter. I mean, I just... I feel like this team is so lost in so many ways right now. And now without Pat Fryermuth, one of your leaders, and with uncertainty at quarterback, I just don't know how they write the ship. I mean, to me, it's you look at a linebacking core that is underperforming. It looks like when you're watching them play that they're in slow motion. It looks like you can see them processing in their minds what they're going to do. Like, there's no read and react right now. Um, it, it is... Truly, all three phases, I mean, they had an extra point that they missed on Saturday. I mean, it's bad in all three phases right now. I just don't know if you're Penn State, how in the world you regroup, because the players keep saying, you know, they're not going to point fingers and this and that, but I I don't know what you change, because it just looks like you're watching the same thing week after week. It really is just so crazy and baffling on so many levels. And I guess, Bill, if you want to point to a win for them this year, it's that fans aren't allowed in the stadium. Because if you mm. rolled this this performance out in front of a crowd of 100,000 plus in Beaver Stadium, you would be getting booed every single week. I mean, it's that bad. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's shockingly poor, um, mm-hmm. which I think, at least this week, I think makes Penn State kind of like the most fascinating story. In the Big Ten, if you look at, look at what's coming this weekend, um, Penn State, Michigan, I think is is the game that if you care about storylines in the Big Ten, that that's the one that everybody should have circled because the other ones, well, there's some interesting matchups. Um, I don't know if anyone has the, has the consequences <laughs> that are in play um, with that game with Penn State trying to avoid going zero and six, and Michigan like with a sliver of opportunity to like get its season back going back in a good direction. Um, could, could certainly use a win there too, get back to 500, and then who knows what might happen for them the rest of the year. Uh, we'll have more on the slate this week on the Big Football Show. If you like what you heard in this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you find podcasts. A five-star review on Apple Podcasts will be greatly appreciated. Enjoy your Thanksgiving week, and Audrey and I will be back to talk to you guys next Tuesday. Tuesday.